Nerd Soul. Oh, yeah, that's right. Late Ill Kid at one. You're still holding it down, bringing in Street Geek and Nerd Soul. What is up, my people, today? Oh, yeah, another wonderful episode of Saw Taku. Bro, you best believe we're going to be chilling up in here. We're going to do a little something new. We're going to do a little something old. We're going to have a good time. I hope y'all up in here chilling. I want to give a shout out to everybody who done clicked on the video. All right, if you watch one second or you watch all the seconds, thank you for coming through. So, we're going to get into ninja kamui right now yo man look let me tell you i okay if if someone was going to pitch a show (laughs) that was going to be just for me this would be it like if someone was going to pitch a show and be like all right we need someone who's going to be fighting doing mad cool stuff all right going out vengeance is the only way beating down people left and right that hey this is it and we're getting more background story, a little foreshadowing in this new episode, episode two. And I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, I like how we open up with the whole, um, I guess this might be a memory or it might be just a flashback of the, you know, the ninja clan that he's in, the organization. They're going through changes. It's going to be some new management. <laughs> and... Apparently, there's going to be a larger power that they fall under, and this is why we've seen the um, the disobedience or what what they call disobedience or defection, and those people that we see getting you know chased down are probably the people that are like, hey, look, we don't we don't roll with this new you know this new overlord or what have you that is supposed to be controlling the ninja organization that we've built up to this point. So it seems that they just like straight went after him. Like they said, hey, look, anyone who is disobedient, anyone who's defecting, they will be eliminated. Uh, and they also say that this is a this is for the future of Japan. So I don't know if this new power came in and had the ability to destroy the ninja organization and this is what they did to try to hold on to power or to just stay alive and survive but in this situation in this case it seems like the the master that we speak to and that we see in the end of this episode that we also saw in the end of the first episode that was sitting in the car is maybe not as in control as we believe he is um, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but this episode rocks because the guy that we see battle at the very end of the first episode is now tied up, hanging upside down. And we get a sequence where we think, oh, he's going to torture him for information. And it's like, nah, I, I don't want any information from you whatsoever. I'm not interested in anything from you, you know, uh, knowledge-wise. I'm actually just going to torture you. I'm You killed my wife and my son. I'm just going to torture you. Because like he said, you know, ninjas never break. He's like, oh, I know. No, no, I, I, oh, I got you on that. I, I'm, I'm not interested in breaking. I'm, I'm here to <laughs> make it as painful for you as possible and then burn you alive. You know what I'm saying? And that, whoo, that look in his eyes when he was standing like face to face with him when he, when he lit that match, man, fire. 
<laughs> literal fire <laughs> um i also dug that we're getting more information about like kind of like these i don't know if abilities or powers or skills however they want to term it but um the the power that he used in the last episode where he was like there was like black smoke all around and he like disappeared and stuff and was you know beating people up from all angles the the doctor guy that came in with all the cats i'm gonna just call him cat man cat man that came through <laughs> he had he called it stark awareness and he said that he can that it can kill you if you use it again now I don't know because I don't know if this is something special about Hagan because the the wound that he received in the hospital is what you know the guy said should have killed him like this should have took you out you should have been dead you know what I'm saying and so with that said I wonder I wonder if we're going to find out that there's something special about him or maybe about his physiology that maybe even he doesn't know because he, he, he was like, hey, I don't know why I'm alive. Like, I thought I should be dead too. Um, and even like we saw in the first episode, the guy checked his pulse and he was gone. So I I know they're, they're kind of like me. They're like, yo, man, I don't know how this dude is still alive. And maybe we'll find out more about Higan later or maybe in season two, something like that. But it definitely, you know, starts to peel back a layer or maybe even him or his background that maybe he doesn't, he isn't even aware of because we do see him use another ninja ability later in the, um, in the restaurant, I'll talk about it in a second, but in the restaurant, uh, we see him use a ninja ability similar to like the, you know, like the hand sign, the signals that they did in Naruto, like sim similar to that. So, the, I don't know if that's something that's like a branch of the sort of stark awareness, quote unquote, I guess, or if that's something completely different that you can do without sort of possibly putting yourself in harm's way, maybe. So, we'll see how that thing works out. But I, I definitely dug the, the introduction of that doctor character because people like this, I mean, like when you look at stuff like John Wick or something like that, you can't do it completely on your own. You can do a lot on your own, but you're going to need some help. You're going to need a benefactor, maybe some money, maybe somebody to give you a place to stay, maybe someone to give you a sandwich or somebody to put a Band-Aid on you. So you're going to need some help. So at least we have established that there's, all right, he has an old friend that was part of the, the, um, the technology that was able to like hide their faces. And then him being like, hey man, they don't work no more. They figured out a way to, you know, get past that. So that's something that, you know has not only opened the door to okay this guy is a doctor but this guy is also you know he's able to sort of engineer technological solutions for him which is cool i think that's cool because you know we're gonna need somebody who wears a lot of hats and he even asked him he was like so are you gonna be fighting with me and I, we didn't get a yes or a no and maybe that doctor guy is still trying to figure out on his own or maybe he's like, look, man, they ain't found me, so I'm trying to chill on it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to chill. Look, I don't need no, I don't need that stress. <laughs> um, now I do want to give a shout out to once again to the black character Mike Morris in this. They have him look like a regular black person. He doesn't have like big stupid pink lips or something. He's not. He's he's basically not a minstrel. 
You know what I'm saying? Because Japanese people do be doing that to black people sometimes. And yes, I said do be doing it. You know, and I meant to say it just like that. But this character is just a black guy. He's just a regular black guy. Just like uh, the dude in the first episode where he was on the train. Just a regular black dude. Like n- nothing crazy or you know outlandish about his facial features and stuff. Just a regular person. And we can see already similar to sort of similar to how ninja assassin played out that the fbi is like yeah um the higher up said leave this alone so the investigation's over and don't talk about it don't google it don't don't record it don't mention it don't nothing and mike is not only is Mike upset about this, but Mike, we find, is about to retire. So on one hand, it's like, I that that shows his demeanor and his tenacity about his job. Because this is someone, like, if, you know, they say he's close to retirement. If he's about to retire, he could just be like, man, let me go on and skate out the rest of this year. Going to have my retirement party and leave. You know what I'm saying? And chill out. But he's like, no. Until I clock out, until I retire, I'm treating every investigation like it's the first one. You know what I'm saying? He's like, look, I want you to check every outhouse, boathouse, and I don't know, bathhouse or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> the the anger that he carries out is kind of like well-balanced with Emma. Because he comes out to Emma, he mad because dude's like, Emma changed her story. I hope you don't know about that because, of course, they probably came down on her and like, look, you didn't see nothing. You didn't experience nothing. And that's the end of it. And she was like, yes, sir. But then, you know, she's like, she said, look, hey, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't look. We going to pretend like ain't nothing, ain't nothing changed. We going to pretend like we ain't investigating. But we going to investigate. You know what I'm saying? We just going to pretend like we, yes, sir, <laughs> we going to do what you say. And then on the low, low, see, we going to, you know, we going to tuck the chain. And then we ain't going to be talking. But when they leave, we going to be talking again. So Emma, I kind of like her style. I kind of like Emma's style. Sometimes you got to be like, all right, cool, cool. You won. You got yours. You got yours. And then on the low, low, do your thing. Because she she even went to the VR, <laughs> people doing crime in VR. She even like, look, I'm doing this other case. But she was quick to try to get that, uh, <laughs> very quick to try to get that trace on that phone call when Joe actually called them or Joe slash Higon called them. So I like that she's not a turncoat because in the first episode, I was wondering if she was a bad guy or not but now at least unless we're about to get thrown another curveball it seems that she's firmly in the good guy category like you know what i'm saying like look we're still going to investigate this we're still going to stop these people that are doing these killings and we just got to be uh discreet about it if you will so that's something that i'm like okay we can deal with that we can we can live with that we can work with that so i'm like cool cool we can that's that's word i'm down with that um but we we also have to move forward slowly because it like we see yo man higan is skittish for good reason you know what i'm saying these these people that he's up against are not you know are not to be trifled with 
And we find that out when he actually calls um, Mike Morris after the <laughs> after the beat down at the bar where, you know, just casually take out dirty cops. You know what I'm saying? Which I'm, I ain't nothing wrong with that. And if you a dirty cop, you got to go down. And I'm glad he punt. Yo, the dude, the wind from his punch knocked him into the wall. I died at the same time. Like, dude broke up the bar but i mean it ain't his fault he ain't a dirty cop hey look if they would have came in and minded their business wouldn't have be broke so i mean it's their fault for everything being broke in the first place and probably some of their bones being broke too um but when he calls mike it we see real quick that he's like he's not for no games higan is like look i'm coming here i want to get some information you pick and when he's like yo i know you trying to chart trying to track my phone i ain't gonna let you do that so don't even worry about that they ain't happy but at the same time i do want to see what you have i want to compare notes let's see what's going on because of course people like this can't do this completely alone they do need some help you know what i'm saying they need they need someone to come in and you know assist on so in, in some way shape or form um so I did like that he was willing to go see Mike Morris. And then Mike Morris was willing to meet him. <laughs> now, they did meet. <laughs> oh, man. They met during the lunch. I mean, during the, quote, dinner rush. <laughs> At that restaurant. Bruh, what dinner rush? You had, like, three orders. What are you, three orders? You had, like, three orders talking about some dinner rush? Bruh, if you don't get out of here... And that place didn't look too sanitary, man. That that place looked like you you just don't want to eat there. You don't want you know they don't have an A on the door. You know what I'm saying? They probably got like a they probably got a B or a C, and that's being generous. You know what I'm saying? They look you they just don't look like they're too they they don't look like they up to code. I'm pretty sure we go in that kitchen. It's going. What's that? The what's the dude? Is it Gordon Ramsay? The one he be going to people restaurants and be all dirty and stuff in there. They, it looked like he he the kitchen makeover or something or the restaurant makeover. Or fix my save my restaurant or whatever. The fix my help my my bars or something. Whatever it is. Like look, it looked like if you go in the back of that kitchen, you're gonna be like, man, I do not want to eat here ever again. And I ain't going front. That's happened to me before. Sidebar, I ain't going front. I used to eat at this spot, and I loved this spot in L.A. I loved it. And I happened to see back in the kitchen one day, and I was like, I can't eat here no more. I can't do it no more. But anyway, slide from that. Their conversation, I thought, started off in good faith. You know what I'm saying? I, I thought it started off in good faith. Higan comes up. He's like, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give, you know, I want information for you, but I'm going to answer your questions too. And then Mike blows the spot by pulling a gun on him, man. Come on. Now, the comedy of this situation is that the delivery dudes don't even pay attention to the guy pulling a gun on somebody. They're just like, whatever, look, man, I'm here to pick up the, pick up the food and be out. He's like, I right, rice, you know, beans, I don't know, chicken. All right, I'm out. You know what I mean? They... They ask no other questions. So the I guess I guess the attitude from Mike is a little unwarranted. I mean, I guess I get I guess I get him thinking or seeing that hey, this dude is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? He's 
he, you know, he's he's not some innocent guy. But I would say that I mean, I don't I don't see why I, I wouldn't immediately pull a gun on this dude. Like, okay, it's clear that he most likely killed all those ninjas that came after him. But at the same time, it's clear this dude is. You know what? Yeah, I mean, he is a victim. Like this, this dude, they tried to murder this guy. So it's clear this guy is the victim. You know, just because he could defend himself don't mean that he's any less a victim. You know, then he he was chilling at his house. These people came to it. They started stabbing him. All right. Then they came to the hospital to stab him again. And he said, halt crones and stab them first. All right. So just because he stabbed them first, he he was defending himself. So I don't I wouldn't have pulled my gun on him. I don't I don't see a reason to I don't know. I just don't see a reason to pull out on him all early like that. Like Michael Lord Jumpy man, maybe he got bad nerves. I mean, he's an FBI agent, you know what I'm saying? He's been through a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? He about close to retirement. He want to make sure he doesn't die. But that kitchen that I mean, sorry, that restaurant slash kitchen area. Oh. Oh, we had a we had a scene because before the owner walks out, he says, "I'm going for 30 minutes." He said, "Don't break nothing. Whatever you break, you pay for." Or something like that. Man, look. My brother, my brother. Yo. They had the nerve to not only break just a few things. The whole restaurant got blown up. In a dope fight scene, this dude comes in and, you know, of course, he's dressed as one of those, like, delivery guys from Alza, which we'll talk about in a second. But he's dressed like some delivery dude, but no, 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 no. He ain't there to pick up nothing, nothing. Because dude comes straight in for the kill and shouts out to Higan, once again, extending his grace to Mike because Mike could have got killed in that fight. He actually blocked the first blow with the uh with the stool or the chair or whatever. And then they got the fighting and like the animation was top notch, of course. Like they it seems like they're shooting for Jujutsu Kaisen level. So I'm here for it. And we got this dude pulling out two extra arms. I'm like, hold on, what? What's going on? And then and like, yo, he got his holding his own with the two arms. I'm like, where? I right, clean, clang, bang. I'm like, where? All right, cool, we good. Then your boy Higan, he hit you with the kagibushin or something. Boom, he got like six arms. Man, yo, it was crazy. I've watched that fight scene twice now. I'm probably gonna watch it again later today. But I love this show. I ain't gonna front, man. From front to back. This joint comes through on a way that man look. I yo, do can, if you don't feel it yet, just watch the scene again because the man, whether they're slicing through tables or chairs, the movement around, the fact that he has those kind of like sickles on on chains or strings or whatever and it's like flying around the the restaurant you got mike ducking for cover it even sliced through his body armor without even getting like nicked or scratched yo that scene was crazy because not only do you have joe slash higan protecting mike 
but also fighting the guy. And then Mike also taking shots at the guy while Joe is fighting him. It's like, yo, this is a weird two-on-one slash free-for-all type fight. And I thought it was well-directed, well-paced. Man, I, yo, I was impressed. And then the way he took out, I guess, both of them, maybe both of them, because he split into two. And, oh, that's another thing. They're not explaining everything about these, like, ninja skills, ninja arts, whatever. And I like that. Just slowly peel back the layers for us. I like how they're doing it now. You know, we get a little bit of layer this episode, a little bit of layer the next. And with... With this episode, when he slips, splits into two, when he kills the guy, it does look like he kills. It looks like he kills one person, but with two heads. Or am I, was I tripping? Because it looked like there was like an extra head on the floor. But maybe, maybe that was like I don't know, kind of I don't know, dummy or you know, I don't know, fake. I don't know, decoy. I, I, it, it was weird to try to figure out what that guy was doing while the episode was going on but at the same time i appreciate how well this is put together and that they're not just dumping everything to us with one episode they're slowly kind of leading us along and <laughs> that slow now i will say one that's kind of blatant the slow part this whole alza thing yeah Alza is definitely the bad guy, right? Alza, the organization, is definitely the bad guy. You're, are you feeling that? Because I'm feeling that. Because they that's the only part of this episode that I thought they got heavy-handed with. They were like, just so you know, Alza's bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it seemed like they wanted to make sure that like you knew, I knew, we all knew Alza ain't good. And they keep closing in on the guy's face, the dude that was saying, you know, from the cradle to the grave, we take care of all your technology thing. I'm wondering if he is the person that is running the ninja, the like the ninja organization now, or if he's someone from the ninja organization that has defected, but that has become so powerful that they can't directly come after him. Because that is an option too. It is there is an option that Alza is not a bad guy, but Alza, Alza the organization isn't the bad guy, but it's headed by a defector. So We'll see how that is, man. Holler at me. Let's talk Ninja Kamui down down in the comments. I'm I'm blown away by this show. I'm digging it, and I am I am on board totally. So on the flip side, uh, I did get a chance to finally close out, finish out, catch up, finish up <laughs> Blue Eye Samurai, and I think that this this is a satisfying and not satisfying ending at the same time kind of thing with this oh man this show i really wanted fowler to take a l but he sort of did but it, he sort of didn't but it also left the game open for future seasons and i don't know if it's been announced for season two or not um you guys can let me know uh if it has because I'm, I'm not exactly sure um but in the last two episodes, I I have such a respect for the writing of the character. The, well, sorry, the characters of like Mizu, Akemi, Ringo, Taigen. The, we this show 
has had such a great character arc for multiple characters like um think about seki and the way he was probably more of a parent to akemi emotionally than her her actual parent well her mother has passed away i believe so but, but then her father you know what i'm saying and seeing how he was there to make sure that it, you know he protected her no matter what and still saying like even though you want to be different even though that you're going through these changes and you think that you're different and the, you know you think that you're you know so enigmatic when it comes to your father or whatever he's like the only thing i know most about in life is you like i know everything about you and i will say even akimi at the end does seem and I, I know it it's kind of framed like she's like hey i'm married to this guy and i'm i'm gonna stay married to him instead of tiger because i want to be great i want to be more and they kind of try to stick on that word of great and everything but it's still for kimmy to me it still came off like she wasn't wasn't really making her choices it see it still seemed like she was trying to be something that madam kaji wanted her to be or that madam kaji at least you know uh maybe maybe something that madam kaji influenced her to be so it to me it still came off like she wasn't her own woman um because what she wanted from the beginning was to be with taigan and that is what thrust her into this it, sort of like into this whole journey and i guess you could say it's a journey of discovery but to me it still came off like this is someone who yes they're in this situation now but the situation that they're in now of being like a princess and being married to the shogun's son is also more about her being kind of influenced by madam kaji and wanting to be th there's a part of her that kind of wants to be like madam kaji you know what i'm saying and at least that it came off to me that it's like she's still trying to be someone else and she's not sort of making her own choices um and also because when she talks about being great there is a conversation that she has with seki that isn't particularly about being great but it is surrounding that conversation of like what greatness is and what you know people think and term as greatness and it might have been like episode five or something like that but basically him being like you know like greatness sort of like greatness is something that is decided on an individual basis or if you're in a couple you guys decided together or something like that and this this vision of greatness kind of seems like something that is greatness to madam kaji and the other sort of like the other moneyed class or the elite people and not really what's great to her and Tigan because she could have been married to a shogun son or something like that mad long ago but she wanted Tigan from the jump so she could have ran that whole path before 
but you know maybe i'm tripping that's this is how i saw it i saw it like okay i get it and it's cool that you want to go this way but this doesn't seem like this is the way that you want to go it seems like more of a way that like i guess it's it's available to you and someone that you sort of admire has inspired you to go or so kind of influenced you to go this way because this is something that they want this is something that they would do but not particularly something that you would do but um on the flip uh i also like ringo man ringo ringo goes from like being this character that is completely insulated he's introverted um he's you know abused at every turn basically but there is a light in him that it's like yo i'm not going to just you know give up here even if i'm being abused i'm gonna do the best job i can here and do the best i can there and be the best person i can for myself and the people around me and it shows like it, as he goes on this journey he not only helps mizu in her character but also helps Tygen and his character um, and inspires them in ways with his own light, which I think is cool. He also comes to the realization like, hey, look, like there's other loves that I have besides just making ramen. You know what I'm saying? Like he, <laughs> he ends up meeting the sword father and really being like, yo, man, I want to be here. I want to do this. Now, I can do this, but... I have to still help my first master or the, the first person that I kind of like, you know, I guess pledge myself to in service. And even though they came to a head, they came to Jesus or whatever you want to call it, he still was there for Mizu whenever she needed. Even sometimes when she didn't ask him to be there, he was still there because of his care for her and his his kind of like his commitment to his duty and and what he had pledged to her and becoming stronger along the way becoming more steadfast throughout the way becoming more solid for those around him throughout you know throughout the story i dug it man like he grew a lot like he grew a lot akemi even though i don't really agree with what akemi did akemi has grown a lot from where she was um akimi was very whiny before and akimi is not whiny anymore um you have someone in ringo who was very introverted at first and i mean even though he talked a lot he was very introverted he was abused he doesn't allow people to abuse him anymore and he kind of like speaks his mind and goes goes you know uh like head first into situations to help people to save people things like that um, and then we have Tygen. Tygen, who is probably the sort of like the arrogant, rich, pretty boy sort of kind of guy at the beginning and finds a way to really tap into his, I guess you could say, honor for the Shogun, where he kind of did everything he could to make sure he got word to the Shogun. And then after getting word to the Shogun, stayed by his side even in the face of death um he went from someone who was kind of like this show off showy kind of guy and i mean we knew how he was as a kid 
he was you know he was a little he was a little poop as a kid and he has completely grown into what i would consider a great man because these actions that you take the the things that you do for others that that's what people remember you know this <laughs> if it wasn't for you if it wasn't for ringo wasn't for mizu you know the there would not be a there would not be a shogunate still shogunate still standing so him and how he kind of like maintained his resolve he maintained his like his vigor throughout you know being captured and tortured and saved and healed and rehealed and all this stuff he got better throughout it and i definitely i, I definitely appreciate how they handle his character because he went from a character I was like, oh, this guy, man, I can't wait for him to get killed. And now I'm like, yo, I'm so glad that he wasn't killed. Really, like, I impressed. I am impressed how they handled that. And then Mizu, of course, seeing the life that she's led. Wow. This, man, I really love how Mizu was handled through this whole season. The the growth from coming from like you know like uh was it not seki but uh sword father was saying like you know it's you're not just a demon inside and i think she started to realize that when the first her first encounter with fowler like you're not just a demon inside there's more there and if you don't deal with what's more there then the demon will take two seats the demon you know the demon will be all you are you know and it's not so don't let it be you know what i'm saying and her kind of going through meeting tigan wanting to kill tigan sort of say you know saving tigan later then growing to be like okay we're sort of teammates we're working together and then having that respect that mutual respect for him i man i couldn't be happier for how she reconnected with the sword father how she reconnected with tigan how she re uh kind of like referred uh to ringo also her engagements with uh madam kaji the first time they met when the second time they met at the shogun um also with the kimmy and how she dealt with the kimmy and stuff like that and even when she second met her the second time and the kimmy being mad she was like look tigan here looking for you you know what I'm saying? and i mean she could i mean straight up she could have took she could have took her man that she wanted, but she, you know, she has a sense of duty that she has to go over. And I really, I really enjoyed how she grew, how she realized like, yo, all right, this, yes, the revenge is the main thing that's driving me, but it can't be the only thing anymore. It's not enough. And we see quickly that throughout Fowler's <laughs> Fowler's straight up march all the way through Edo bruh look them them guns like whew, it was crazy that like the di the difference was just crazy and then also the fact that <laughs> he was like oh the guns are already here 
you did you thought I, uh, somebody tried to get my stuff at the port my guns are already here and so fowler just the way he was smart cunning and even said it to the uh the shogun at the end like hey look man like you didn't realize that 20 years ago this is where we would be this is what we always wanted and i mean sadly he broke down the whole ws playbook to him he was like this is what we do this is we had been planning this for years we had to get you weak and all that and now there's nothing you can do and shoot if it wasn't for mizu taigen and ringo ooh, edo would have been lost because fowler was pretty much unstoppable but taigen and mizu took it to him and then of course mizu went one-on-one and she played footsies with that man yo look you gotta go low Yo, stab them feet. Yo, look, hey, if somebody stab you in your foot, it ain't gonna be pretty. Alright? You ain't gonna be able to walk like that. So it's like, yes, Fowler is extremely strong. He is a tank of a man. But the tank ain't got no feet. If the tank ain't got no wheels, can't go nowhere. And man, she made sure she <laughs> she made sure she disarmed and completely dismantled that man. Um, now, unfortunately, the part of this finale that I don't like is that Fowler is still alive, man. He's still alive, but I understand. I look, I she we knew from the beginning she was looking for four people, you know what I'm saying? And she only got one of them, so uh, I know she need to keep him for, for more information, but man. I wanted the satisfaction of him getting getting his just due. You know what I mean? I wanted the sat- satisfaction of him taking an L. So when we ended with her on a boat to London, uh, with him in, you know, with him in a cage, I guess that's the best we gonna get. Um, I'm not mad at it. It's just I really wanted to see her really take them down. But you know what? If this leaves us open for another season of tracking down, say two, and then maybe a season three of tracking down the last one, I'd be completely fine with that. And I'd be happy with going forward with that and seeing how, seeing how like she's able to kind of exact her revenge in that situation, you know? So I'm, I'm definitely on board for more blue eye samurai guys. Hey, I, I can't get enough. I love the animation style. I love the fight scenes and I love how the characters were handled. It was written well. It was voice acted well. It looks beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing to look at. I'm completely down. So before I get out of here, I'd like to uh, shout out some contributors, Deep House Nation, uh, Lynn Vidal, Enrico Carrion, you know what I'm saying? Shouts to y'all, whether y'all give a penny or give all the pennies, like, share, you know, comment, all that stuff. It helps the channel so much. Of course. We got to bounce. But before we do, N-E-R-D, S-O-U-L, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcast, all that jazz. And until the next time that you have to give someone a little bit of mercy to get a full total revenge cake, just saying peace. Peace.